into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America. As long as she tries to act like she is God and she is supreme. Trigger warning. Manly trigger warning. I don't know. Um, I figured do a content warning. We don't really do this very often, but I thought to remember to do it today because we are talking about nothing but gun violence. Um, and that might be a thing you don't want to hear about yelled at you for an hour and a half, approximately. Um, so yeah, it's gun episode. You've been warned. Okay. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. 100 riff bullets per minute. 100 riff salute. <laughs> What's the deal? What's the deal? Um, there's <laughs> a riff gun. A bunch of guys just yelling out riffs. I bet that gun could get confiscated in the United States. They could ban <laughs> riff guns. Should be melted and burned like they did in Australia or whatever. Because um, it sucks. Hello, everyone. Sharpshooter Jake Flores here. Alex Patak is here. Private first class. Let's get hunting. And on the machine guns, Anders Lee. Anders Oakley here. Oh, nice. Oh, like Annie Oakley. Yeah, yeah. That's a thinking man's Anders Lee's here. (laughs) They get more intellectual as time goes on. Annie Oakley is intellectual. Okay, I'll take it. I didn't. I thought you were talking about the sunglasses at first. Oh, that was okay. That was my confusion as well. Is that which is a thing that shooters wear? I was gonna say it's like, oh, you're like a guy wearing sunglasses and shooting a gun. Anders Oakley. That makes right. Um, Thank God that's not the case. No, (laughs) me shooting a gun. Yes. Have you guys ever shot a gun? Yeah, I have not, and I would like to. In I'm from Texas, and you can just go shoot a gun anywhere at any time there. They have shooting ranges mm-hmm. you go to. You just give them your uh, ID. It's like a bar. The guy barely looks at it. He just goes like, uh-huh, and then <laughs> hands you a Take bunch our deadly of weapons. <laughs> different types of guns to go shoot, and it's insane that people don't get killed more often there. Yeah. Uh, people are just, just swinging them around willy dilly. There's no, you know, in theory, there's like trigger discipline and people looking out for that sort of shit. But I've seen, I've seen insane shit happen at those places. And I'll say this: it's very fun. Like, I, I think that is kind of important to the gun conversation because there is like this thing of, um, you know, there's like socialist rifle associations and stuff, and people that are really into the history of like armed left resistance and black panthers and stuff and like want to make the argument extremely political and it is there's a political argument to be made for keeping strapped and shit but like let's not bullshit ourselves here it's also that it's really fun to shoot it's fucking sick yeah they're cool (laughs) in I played I Time so- Crisis, and it was the best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> the thing they well, yeah, I mean, for at least in my experience, the gun, the only gun I've shot is a twenty-two when I was eleven, and I, it was hard, and so I didn't do it again. 
because I think it was too difficult. So I think what that are you could aiming be at? a target, and I did not hit it. Uh, the store. <laughs> I should I should be clear. I was not shooting up a target. You were like the Walmart uh, smiley face, but like before they'd figured that out brand wise. So it was just like an autistic boy with a gun, <laughs> <laughs> and he shoots you, and the sale comes out. Has anyone ever shot up a target? That seems like it would be too on the nose, you know? Right. It's it has no taste, and that's why no one's done it. Don't do that. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure with with a small enough caliber, I'm sure no one would notice if you hit the big <laughs> sign. If you're shooting it with a 22, yeah, the 22s. I don't know. I was just uh, maybe it was my feeble mindedness, but I couldn't. I could not hit a target for shit. So I think they're. You know, maybe if you get enough kids to fire guns recreationally, they will see that. Oh, this is too difficult. And it's too hard and I'm not going to try and, and do it, you know? Right. Although because it's, you don't want to look, I mean, the thing is in movies, everyone right. wants to emulate the taxi driver or uh, the matrix where a rogue no name pulls up and then like headshots a hundred dudes in a row to get in past security or whatever. But is there anyone more disrespected in arts and film than the guy who brings a gun and misses a lot? Yep. Mm. Yeah. I'm surprised there haven't been more incidents like that. Maybe there have been and we just don't cover them that way. Um, like think of the, the stormtroopers in Star Wars oh, yeah. and the reputation they have. Yeah. Not That's so funny true. anymore, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> say something about blaster rifles on oh. Alderaan. I mean, that would actually be if you wanted to do a psyop to stop mass shootings, you just have a kid uh, who is incompetent, me, basically, an incompetent child come with, you know, guns and they just miss everybody. This is they're humiliated (laughs) internationally. Then no one is going to want to, you know, try that. It bummed everyone out so bad that everyone's like, let's just do something else because this yeah. kid sucks. I'm now imagining the people who like uh, are mad at our show and are like, Anders is a fed. And then you get Anders ideas for psyops. And they're like, <laughs> let kids shoot, but miss. <laughs> I need a million on this now. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, you know who didn't miss? Oh, gosh. <laughs> The guy who built a shotgun with like everyday household materials and blew Shinzo Abe away. Do we know he was aiming for at Shinzo? Maybe he was aiming at something else. We do know that because he shot him real close with a shotgun (laughs) (laughs) and successfully murdered him. Uh, Shinzo Abe, if you don't know, was Japanese prime minister for a stint in the 2000s and then for a while in the 2010s. He is famous for um, the Japan version of Holocaust denial, where uh, he wanted to get all of the incidences of Japanese war crimes taken out of the history books. And the other the other his other big issue was rearming Japan. So a beloved left wing figure by all (laughs) a man we will miss dearly. Um, And I have a lot to say about the way he was killed. But before we get into that, I think one element that is going to fly under the radar for a lot of people is the day before he was killed, famous mangaka, uh, the creator of Yu-Gi-Oh! I'm going to get his name up here, uh, suddenly died at the age of 60 and had repeatedly 
taken out like ads against Shinzo Abe to send him to the shadow realm. <laughs> is that a thing in Yu-Gi-Oh? It's where you go when you're banished by the cards as you've blown away to the shadow realm. And he wanted that to happen to Shinzo Abe. And then he dies and it did. He was banished to the shadow realm. Yugi, we got to send Shinzo Abe to the shadow realm. He's gone, folks. He, I believe, was the longest serving uh, Japanese prime minister. Is that right? Blue yes. eyes, white dragon. But he was out of office when he was uh, murked. I think um, trying to, was he trying to get back in? Okay, no. no. So he wasn't. Okay. He was just stumping for his party, which is called the Liberal Democratic Party, and it's like the conservative Japanese party. Uh, they were in Nara, which is a city famous for having completely domesticated deer. Because for hundreds of years, everyone had been treating the deer like they were sacred. So the deer are no longer afraid of people there. So you go there and then deer like start trying to pick your pockets. Like they come up to you on the street and put their whole heads into your pants. Wow. In the 2010s, they were having issues because so many of them uh, had their numbers had gotten so high that they were just like injuring tourists. Now they're just like running up on people and deer munching on them to uh, grievous harm. And then like ride them. I mean, there's an issue with that because Chinese and American tourists kept coming and then fucking with the deer. And now the deer are like being abused, but are also like striking back. And it is a whole battle line there. And now everyone's just going to remember it as the place where the prime minister was assassinated. But that's their yeah, other famous kind of a glow thing. up. Um, did you see his gun? Yes. it. I, you can't tell it's a gun at uh, first glance. It looks like a like an old camcorder. So he made it, I think, in a garage. It's like just out of like steel pipes and wood in his house. It's a lot of it's held together with tape. It look It is huge. There's a picture of him in the street before he takes the shot. He has like pretty much like the berserk arm cannon out and ready. And just no one is worried about uh, gun violence in Japan. So even the former president's detail doesn't catch on to this guy as he blows this dude away. He had another gun with nine barrels on it. He made it his house. Well, he's, oh. he's doing the trigun cosplay or whatever. I'm looking at the <laughs> We're gun lucky right this now. guy's head wasn't like nuked from orbit. The amount of yeah. sci-fi weaponry coming out of this agitated young man. This is held together with electrical tape. It looks crazy. It's Honestly, the most it's... cyberpunk assassination, I think, in modern history. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps a better way to get Shinzo Abe would have been to have like some sort of flamethrower type weapon that just like destroyed all his hair because i think that's where a lot of his political power was is in that amazing head of hair and those thick sexy eyebrows so if you were able to just you know whack well, it all you know, suck it all off I he mean, would it, be no one would take him seriously that's very uh illustrative but he did die so i think the guy got him yeah he got him pretty i don't think there's room for like feedback at this juncture <laughs> <laughs> more um the other thing i didn't know about this guy so i didn't i don't know shit about japanese politics but for whatever reason shinzo abe has like a legion of white incel fans in america mm. who are clawing their clothes off today in a fit of mourning because he his uh third platform aside from the history revisionism and army stuff 
was just like, let's get people fucking baby mandatory girlfriends. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> Enough yeah. being alone on Friday night for all my lonely boys. Well, I mean, we talked about this in the interview a little bit, but there's like that th- phenomenon over there of people just sort of like, um, vol selling, like just Hikikomori. Just not doing anything, and then everyone's worried, like, oh, they're not going to have children. There's not, there's going to be like a drop in population or whatever growth. And so, and this guy's answer to that, to a clear, like, to kind of lean into the theme of what we're going to talk about, his answer to a just clearly like complex psychological, sociological problem is just like, as a politician, like, picks up megaphone and goes, let's. Get fucking everybody. <laughs> Make <laughs> love. It, on. Yeah, like, it must continue the ethno state. <laughs> how do you encourage people to fuck if they don't want to? I don't know. Well, the reason this ties into uh, conservative politics, especially in Japan, is you know how we have like great replacement theory over here? Mm-hmm. Um, great. And, you know, people worry about white birth rates uh, because they're, you know, the fash adjacent lunatics. Um huh. America is even in theory, like even if you are a conservative patriot, a melting pot, there's yeah. nothing in Japan that encourages a melting pot kind of thing. <laughs> they very much want one kind of beans in the pot. And so it becomes like a uh, natural Japanese versus foreigners political right. issue, which stirs up a whole bunch of lovely sentiment. I just watched this movie last night. Uh, I think No Regrets for Our Youth about um, uh, Japan. It's it's a uh, Kurosawa movie about Japan in the 30s and how like they had, you know, kind of a similar thing to to like Germany, and the United States or other places where um, professors, intellectuals were being um, persecuted for speaking out against the the invasion of mainland China, um, which is a huge thing in in the 1930s that like even to this day abe is trying to sort of paper over or like justify well not uh, to this day to yesterday maybe right (laughs) (laughs) up to his dying yeah his ghost is still justifying the invasion of manchuria and all that stuff but like it's you know we forget how like there was a a left-wing anti-imperialist movement there that was was quashed by the uh the nationalist state in japan but um, one thing I did want to touch on with Hikigomori, because I, I have a book about them somewhere that I got because a friend of mine who's traveled to Japan was telling me, and I tried looking this up. I couldn't, it was, it's hard to, you know, it's hard Andrews, to find like, like the right translation. No <laughs> well, I was researching, uh, autism stuff. He has a girlfriend. I do I have a, a, a government assigned girlfriend. Um, <laughs> Russian government assigned girlfriend. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but uh, the Hikikomori, the, uh, supposedly there was this sort of legal battle a few years ago about whether or not they should be considered autistic because that would give them a disability protection in which they would it would be okay for them to be uh, unemployed and uh, living at home because they have this disability. Um, but the government was saying no. You are able-bodied and of an able oh. mind. You just need to get out there, put make some babies, make some, put some pheromone it. cologne on, which is what I used as a uh, incel, uh, and get cracking, get fucking. 
as a young incel man if i was just living over there and all this stuff was happening and they passed that law i you know unconnected from all this stuff i would go straight to the whatever office and be like um excuse me i'm not fucking and i don't want to work can i stay <laughs> home and play video games and get a paycheck that sounds fucking tight are you gonna check if i fuck <laughs> Do I lose my unemployment if I get late? <laughs> yeah, you seem too relaxed this month. We're gonna need that money back. Oh, <laughs> you know you're out there getting it wet. Um, yeah. So R.I.P. to Kazuki Takahashi, dead creator of Yu-Gi-Oh. You're with the Pharaohs now, and that's what we wanted to say before this mass shooting interview. Yeah, big Yugi and little Yugi are crying on your grave together right now. It is no longer time to duel. Hmm. Today we are talking to writer Todd McGowan, uh, teaches at University of Vermont, a writer who writes about mass shootings and can be read. I'm using the same word way too much in this. Uh, you can read his stuff in Sublation Magazine. Sublation. Thank you, let him finish. That's, I'm sorry. I can't. Every time I hear about Sublation Media, that the Citizen Cope song pops into my head. No, just sing it again, and we'll use that to transfer into the interview. Okay. Um, let the insult <laughs> fuck. Let the insult fuck that. Let the insult fuck. Let the insult fuck that. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> That's part of the song. That's like sort of the the. I don't know if that would be the chorus, but it's this. The it's just a bunch of words that rhyme with like imagination. I've, I've heard human it. creation solution. It's just been a while. Until you brought it up earlier this week, I had not thought of it in easily like twelve years. But yeah, <laughs> it's been uh, sublation in your head. It's been sublated. I think I don't even know what that word means, but. Dog Lane Production. <laughs> Assimilate. Assimilation. That's what sublation means. It's assimilation. Let's okay. talk to Todd McGowan about mass shootings and the role that enjoyment plays in them. All right. We are now talking to Todd McGowan from the University of Vermont about this new article uh, on the um, there's no fun way to say this. The mass shootings that keep happening. The in murders. <laughs> uh, you can read this article in Sublation Magazine, and it'll be a link. There'll be a link to that in the show notes. Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jake. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, I read your article. I thought it was really interesting, and I also read um, some of the new book that you sent me enjoyment right and left. Um, so I think I've got a handle on what you're talking about here, but can you summarize maybe your, uh, your thesis here at the top? Of our sure. Line? That part of my point is that the, why are we not? I mean, the question is, why are we not doing anything about um, shootings and about the wide of wide scale availability of guns? And I think that part of the reason is, underlying reason is that it supports a certain right-wing conception of enjoyment. That is that there's an always, I mean, this, this saying we hear that the, a good guy with a gun stops a bad guy with a gun is I think part of the logic at work that there has to be an enemy that we, that we're, we're fighting against. And the enemy is the source of the enjoyment for this, 
conservative right-wing structure of, of enjoying. And that's one of the things I lay out in the book, obviously that there's also the concern for the, the leftist or emancipatory alternative to that. Yeah. I, uh, I, I read, um, I don't know about half of your book or something like that the other day. And like, I think I got kind of the, uh, a handle on what you're talking about here. If I, if I, I'm going to take a stab here at something. That's yeah. Like, yeah. Out yeah. of my depth, theory-wise, but am I to understand that this term enjoyment you're using is somewhat like the uh, in psychology or in like um, in in like Lacan and stuff like that? This idea of jouissance, <laughs> the uh, that complicated French theory word that means a lot of things. And- yeah, that's right. That's right. That's where it comes from for sure. I mean, I yeah, and 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 one one of the things that it means is that it's a. a excess right like it's a, it's a excess so it's not just it's not just pleasure it's excessive pleasure that becomes even painful to endure it's uh, there's always some kind of suffering attached to it so yeah so definitely comes from this term jouissance from lacan but then i'm trying to develop it in a, in a further way for sure i'm curious like what what about that um phenomena that that term in particular caught your interest because it was kind of you know uh, as i was reading I was thinking about how, because you, you write about how jouissance or enjoyment is is really prevalent among uh, the far right as well as the far left, and and you know, in all political actors, that's that's an element. But couldn't you say the same of, of any emotion, uh, sadness, despair, anger, rage? Uh, what about enjoyment and jouissance? Um, thought made you think it was important enough to tell like why would that be why would that be the central thing right right like that's yeah it's a good question thank you i think that yeah for me i would i would just say that it's the you know in a way i think it covers all those other it's the emotion it's what enjoyment may be hard way to think about it but like something like satisfaction it's it keeps us going during the day so i'm not sure that those other emotions like sadness or anger or happiness that's not what keeps us going gets us through the day and and that's how i think of enjoyment like it's the thing that drives us gets us up in the morning that's i guess where i see it okay well um let's let's focus on the the shootings for a minute though can you can you break down like what you see as the cycle that happens here because it does seem like a cyclical thing it does doesn't it right like so so a shooting happens and then i think to myself, wow, th- th- it's a dangerous world out there. I better arm myself even more because the people coming to take what I have or coming to attack me are going to be even better armed. So I better arm myself even more. And that's to me, that's the sign. And then I think it's correct to say that the, obviously the gun industry plays into that, but it's still a, to me, a psychic structure at work behind it. Right. That, 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 that then the more I arm and then the, the next cycle, I have to arm even more. And that, I think that, 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 and we have to fight against bans on any kinds of guns because that will, that will lessen our ability to defend ourselves. I think that's the, so that's the law. And, and I think there's a certain enjoyment in that figure of the enemy, the bad person with a gun. And until that form of enjoyment's given up, then it seems to me like the, the, the cycle will just continue on and on. Um, so I'm just thinking of specific examples here because I, I understand hypothetically that at these outbreaks of violence that happen spontaneously would kind of drive you into a point of isolation where you want to arm yourself 
and the world becomes a more violent place that way. But looking at the specific examples of who's been doing the shootings recently, uh, they're they're aiming younger. So it's less like jaded older men the way that, you know, maybe we would be more used to 20, 30 years ago. Um, And they a lot of them don't have that like right wing militia profile that I associate with like a, a, a gun head, like somebody who loves guns. Like, no, what do you agreed. think about these isolated uh, younger people who end up lashing out like this? No, agreed. Agreed. I think it's a good point. And I think that the, the, the it's a little I think it's related to the incel phenomenon, like this, this sense of like, I'm not I have no I don't belong. I have no place. And so I'm going to I'm going to lash out. But I don't think I mean, I don't think when I say it's a right wing form of enjoyment, I'm talking about the decision to arm oneself. I'm not talking about the shooters themselves. I think you're right. Like, I don't think there's necessarily, I mean, the Buffalo case, there was a clear political agenda, but I think in general, there's not necessarily, it's not a political agenda. Like, I don't think it comes from a definite political position. Right. There's a, there's a scattered ideology thing happening where you have alienated people from whatever their, you know, political uh, uh, niche is just essentially deciding there's no future for themselves and lashing out. And a lot of the times that does end up with like fash leaning, young, aggrieved white men who get Burger King in the cop car. Um, right. <laughs> but it does end up in other places as well. Sure, sure. Japan, for, sure. for one. Yeah. <laughs> Japan, which we'll be talking about in the intro. Well, I, I'm actually I'm curious to get your reaction to the the news of um, Shinzo Abe's assassination. Someone who we, we mentioned that you mentioned incels. He was uh, kind of an anti-incel. Like he wanted he people cell. to have... He was a cell. He was he wanted young men right. to go out and and shed their uh, alienation and have sex and reproduce. Uh, not and, a cell. A cell would be a celibate. OK, right. Well, what's the opposite of cell um, sex? Uh, he was a horn dog. He was a ideological horn dog. Well, it is. There is an actual phenomenon in Japan um, that I'm curious to get your thoughts on the hikikomori. Uh, which is like, no, seriously, like it's, it's sort of, someone called it another way of saying incel, but it has been a longstanding phenomena for, uh, like a generation now there's like thousands, if not millions of young men, um, who don't leave their houses, who, who, you know, can't get employed. It's kind of like a self-perpetuating thing because people see gaps in the employment. Um, and, but they have not armed themselves in the way we have here. Uh, a lot of that is you know, because of, of laws in Japan. But do you think that's, this is a sign of that maybe changing? I mean, obviously mm-hmm. there's a lot we don't know yet about the the shooter, the assassin. Um, but I, I was curious to get your reaction to Shinzo Abe's assassination, particularly that it came from a, a young man who had a, a homemade gun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that isn't that striking though, that it had, he had to have a homemade gun to right. be able to do it. I, I mean, I think I would say that phenomenon seems like it's a related phenomenon to what's happening here. So I'm not I don't think, I mean, I'm just trying to explain what or understand, think about what, why this is happening in the U S and the way it does. But I think the same kinds of struggles happen in every society. So it just doesn't happen around guns in Japan, but you could Hmm. see this is the first step toward that Yeah, or not, or maybe not. Maybe it's like, it it goes the other way, right? Like there's even more, I don't know how there could be more restrictiveness because it's, I think one of the most, if not the most restricted gun countries in the world. But I, I, I don't necessarily, I mean, I think it just, the, the phenomenon can manifest itself differently in different places. I don't think that that, I don't think there's any inherent 
vice in the US because we have more gun deaths, but I also don't think there's an inherent virtue. Like I think the it's just different in both in in both places. But I do think that this could mark a turn in, in Japan for sure. Like there could be a sense that how do you respond like rather than staying in your house, how do you, you lash out instead? I think that's certainly a possibility. A lot of this is a cultural difference as well, because I think you're right. There's nothing inherently barbaric about Americans, you know, given their brains or whatever. But right. something that's objectively true is we just have so many more guns than any other country. I mean, unless yeah. it's like a country in a civil war. Um, Even there, I think we have more. So, yeah. Yeah. And then we yeah, give I, them all of their guns to so they can have the war, which is very generous of us and works out nice, economically. Right. Um right. But yeah, the, when when you're talking about these people who, like we were saying earlier, uh, are skewing younger, they're often getting like a parent's guns or a relative's guns, and they get access to it that way. Like no one has any guns in Japan. Right. So if you wanted to go on on a, on a shooting spree, you just simply couldn't do it. Right. Like I, I think, you know, I was I was so struck by this. One of the things that really struck me as I follow these gun shootings very closely all the time. And, and when the Sandy Hook shooting took place, there was a, a stabbing in China. And I think 20, it was interesting. Like it was almost an exact correlation, like 21 people were hurt. And I don't remember how many exact ki kids were killed in Sandy Hook, but something like the, almost the exact same number were injured versus being killed. And I just thought if only the person had a knife rather than a gun to do it, right. I think it would have made a big difference. That's yeah, the difference between a gun and a knife. Yeah. <laughs> um, Final Fantasy VIII, what if they were the same thing? We don't have time to discuss. No! Um, no! But, but uh, I mean, I don't know. This is like not a new point at all. This is not an extremely novel thing to point out about this, but uh, I, it's like obvious, I think, kind of hanging in the air. This is a fucking problem of availability, right? Like the, the people are not that much different in America, arguably, than anywhere else. And yet the statistics for gun violence are way out of whack here because you throw a rock and you hit a gun. And if you are going through something psychological and you feel like you need to express it through a gun, then there's one around pretty easily. You could drive to Walmart and get one. You have places like... um Australia, where they've successfully degunned everything, and there's probably people walk around having those same feelings, but they're not able to act like impulsively in this way. That kind of seems to be the problem, and yet the reason that we have this problem of guns being super available, I is arguably, I guess, from your article, uh, that we have a, a culture that is fueled by the need for. Um, uh, the need to be under siege, right? That's that's mm, the big right, right wing psychology thing is the feeling of constantly being, uh, you know, up yours, woke mob and moralists, as our friend Jordan Peterson said this week, um, always attack, you know, seeming always under attack, seemingly from an invisible enemy that no one else really can relate to because most people have normal problems you know <laughs> right um that's the key to unlocking this right is, is i guess it seems like what you're pointing out is like you're not going to get rid of you're not going to stop these people from fucking up this part of the cycle and constantly adding more guns onto the pile until you figure out what's driving like that right right why right right why is it why does it seem okay right like why 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 don't we do what australia did i think that's the that to me that's the real question like why so it's not impossible. Like it's not like the things that that would could be done to rectify it aren't unthinkable. 
and they're not impossible to do, but they just aren't done. And I think it's because it fits into a certain psychic disposition that, that seems very comfortable to people. And so that's why it continues. Yeah. I mean, you can't get it done in this fucking Gordian knot that we're stuck in culturally where we're like the Bill Maher country where half of the people here seem to think of themselves as like bravely fighting against cancel culture and the woke mob and everyone's coming to get your guns and all these things that have been like lumped together into one big weird homunculus monster Cronenberg body horror blob thing that is right wing (laughs) culture war and like you know and also I mean to you know you can't fight the symptoms of the disease right so we're not going to like uh just go around and convince all of these people that's a bad idea you know here read a bunch of gun statistics and stuff um the, there's like something core and existential to the right wing that's causing this here right that's right that's right i think it's it's, it's a really good point that you couldn't that there's not a number of there's you can't pull out a magical fact and then change people's minds i think that's a really important psychoanalytic point right that you that that we're we don't we don't desire what we desire because we don't know better but we don't know better because of what we desire and i think that's a really really crucial idea right that we it's it's we you know i read the statistic that people that listen to watch fox news listen to conservative radio are less informed about ever so about common news items of people that don't even listen to the news at all right so so you'd think like, oh, well, what we just need to do is inform them better. But no, they, they're choosing to be uninformed because of a certain way of structuring their certain psychic disposition, not because they don't, they're not uninformed. And that's why they have a certain disposition. I think that's, to me, that's a really crucial, a crucial idea. Well, I was just going to say, I was wondering too how, you know, the culture is obviously a huge um, topic here. And I'm, I'm, Curious what you think, how how big of a role that plays, because it used to be the case and, and it still is with, with conservatives, you know, when one of these shootings happen um, that they'll say, you know, the problem is violent video games or movies and stuff like that. And there certainly is something to be said for that. I, you know, I remember after 9-11 uh, as a kid, I had that kind of siege mentality, too. Like I li- was living in um, Virginia at the time. And I assumed of course that terrorists would invade our neighborhood and I was going to have to, to get some, some BB guns together and, and <laughs> fend them off, which is kind of absurd and re- well, definitely absurd in retrospect. Um, but as, and, and Michael Moore makes this point in Bowling for Columbine, other countries don't, don't seem to have this problem. So Canada has a lot of violent video games, a lot of violent movies. They don't have this, this issue. What, what do you, what do you think that is? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, to me, the best thing like Canada it's interesting because I think Canada is second to us in gun violence in the world. So mm. they're so Michael Moore in Bowling for Columbine presents Canada as this. He he often does this as this this beautiful alternative, and it's not quite so much. But but what's interesting is Japan has the most violent video games, the yeah. most violent <laughs> films, and the lowest rate of mur- the lowest murder rate and the lowest rate of gun violence in the world. So I think to me that just shows there's it's it's a it's a, not only is it a stretch, it's just absurd to think because you could make, couldn't you make the argument the other way that thank God these kids have these video games where they can <laughs> get out their violent tendencies. So they don't yeah. have to go actually shoot people. I mean, I just think you could, you could easily flip it around and make this nice Aristotelian argument about catharsis. And it's, it would, it would make, I don't think it's a crazy thing to say. So you could just do the argument the other way. So I just, I'm really, really skeptical, not just because I'm, 
also a film professor, but but because you know, I I I also I I just think it doesn't hold up, and the Japan thing makes it to me absolutely clear. Like there, the violence in Japanese cinema and Japanese film is so much worse than in ours. So I mean, Japanese film and Japanese video games. So it's yeah, just it's awesome, yeah. right? Yeah, it's yeah, I it's wish awesome. you better. We're all big fans. <laughs> uh, it, cool stuff. It is an interesting counterpoint. I mean, not just because it's in the news, but um, when you talk about the lower rate of violence in Japan, I would love to see that contrasted with suicide rates because, you know, that's something they famously have a very high volume of. And I wonder if there's something like the culture about not bothering other people and just ending your Hmm. own life instead of going on a Duke Nukem killing spree. Yeah, yeah, I'm for that. I'm for that. Right? I mean, it is better. I mean, it's objectively yeah, no, of better. Of course, it's be- it's objectively better. I don't see a problem with that, frankly. Like, I, I, I mean, I can imagine, I could imagine being in a situation where I would think that. I don't think that's a crazy thing yeah. to think. Like, you know, I mean, it like, may not hold up with the numbers too, because America does also have a lot of suicide. But, uh, uh, yeah. but it's because I think we do because of guns, though, right? Like, <laughs> right. there's more more people die every day because of gun suicide than because of gun homicide right so that's a so the it's again the availability of guns i think skews even our suicide statistics it does kind of throw a wrench in this you know usual marxist left-wing thinking that uh you know i often find myself falling into as uh you know alienated uh teen goes on a shooting spree you can only tackle these by addressing the base of the problem which is our unwavering uh, reserve of atomized, isolated young men and women who are uh, have nothing to live for and everything to lose. But when you you hold that in contrast with a with Japan, who also has this same kind of uh, trend in you know alienation, they're not having the same pattern. So there there's a complicated angle to it on that no, level. Yeah, that's um, absolutely true. I think I think you're right. Like the the base economic explanation in this case just doesn't hold up because you can look across nations where there's the same basic economic structure and there's the different for different a far different result in terms of gun violence it's definitely so, part yeah. of the picture it's just yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah. explain sure. the whole thing for sure for sure for sure i have a uh, a mildly spicy question to put it put in towards the end of this interview just for fun if we're Sounds up good. for it so last monday we had the uh, shooting at the July 4th parade in Highland Park, Illinois, by that, you know, the SoundCloud rapper guy. Yep. I do not remember his name, um, which is also part of the dialogue is say their name, but also never say their name. We well, don't want actually to be remembered. Not saying their name is a good thing. Right. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I, I think that's good too. Um, I couldn't find it when I just did a quick Google right now. But um, uh, which is there's this improve- line that comes up over and over again with these shootings, which is that these the perpetrator is known in advance by law enforcement and a lot of times they're like in chat rooms with retired uh members of the security sector or people who are actively employed by the state in some way what do you make of the pattern here with these disaffected young people going on murder sprees right after talking to law enforcement in some way well, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Like, th- is there a kind of symbiotic relationship between that? Like, or the, clearly that they, I mean, look, I think the element of transgression in these acts is, 
inextricable from them, right? So they they want the police to be aware of what they're doing. They want they they want to know that they're transgressing a law because when they're they they you could act out in a lot of ways, right? You could act out for attention in a lot of ways that wouldn't necessarily violate the law or kill anyone, and they don't do that. So I think it's it's I think it's important that interacting with the cop gives this sense of transgression to what they're doing for sure. I mean, it also, I mean, I think a lot, there are times when the, you would, and I, they have been stopped. I know that like the, the, there was, I forget where it was, but one guy, because of his online activity, they actually were on to him and stopped him. But I, I, you would think that they would be able to stop more, but I don't think they do. Right. Which to take a conspiracy angle to it as uh, sometimes comes up when you discuss these things, there are, is a documented history of a, a strategy of getting into contact with these violent people and kind of encouraging them to do these things so that you can stop them or right. um, so you can get more money for your department by racking up arrests of dangerous murderers. And it, I, it's unclear at this moment in time, like looking back on this a hundred years, is this going to be, um, that these were like kind of like a uh, re- recurring, like quick cash grab that law enforcement agencies thought they could go back to, or is this some kind of Gladio B thing where these are being set up on purpose to kind of ramp up the security state, or is it just genuine? Is it just people who love guns love going to the same chat rooms? And there's no way of knowing what that is <laughs> until we get a little farther along in time. Right. Right. No, it's an interesting point. I, I also think one of the fascinating things. So when I was a kid, serial killers were the phenomenon, right? And then sometime, I don't know, in the '90s, it like switched over. I mean, there were occasional mass shootings. There was one at University of Texas, but it was a rather rare thing. And serial killers were ubiquitous. And now it's it's totally flipped, right? Like if you want this kind of attention, you don't you don't serial killing isn't the way to do it. It's a mass shooting. So I think that's a, I don't have a theory on that, but it's a fascinating shift, I think, in the way that things have, in the way that you act out for larger cultural, social, social attention. Well, some people would argue, yeah, that's the same people and it's just that you can't get away with. Yeah. There's too many cameras anymore and sending, you know, spooky riddles to the cops and shit over the course of years because you'll get busted pretty quick. But you could do it all at once. Basically, you can't try to make gay mind control zombies in your apartment for four years without anyone noticing because everyone yeah. has a camera on their goddamn phone. <laughs> that is true. No, that is true. Right. We used to be a proper country. Right. <laughs> it has been a while since we've had a, a legit serial killer. I mean, uh, I mean, to what we were saying earlier about the names of the of the shooters, I think that is like one of the few places where kind of media has improved in America, because, you know, after um columbine eric and dylan kind of got it what they wanted which is they did yeah they, they are we're calling american dylan and then people know who i'm talking about but now i can't name uh the last you know five mass shooters there are uh the victims who whose names have been um publicized which i think is is appropriate but i'm curious if that that columbine moment before that we're talking about kind of these archetypes um postal workers weren't they kind of like right. a figure in like the 90s that that was seen as like the uh the the job that would inspire people to do mass shootings and like how did that shift was was that a shift and how did that kind of happen from from postal workers to like alienated teens 
Yeah. In fact, I don't think people would understand you if you said going postal, but in yeah. the nineties, that was a, everybody said that. Right. Uh, yeah. I think <laughs> it's funny. Now we think of the postal worker as a, like a, one of the lucky ones that gets a, you know, gets a, a nice, uh, a nice pension has it, you know, only has to work 30 years or whatever. So I, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I mean, that shift, I think it's just, it's where we locate. It's where the, I think it, don't you think it's where the most severe alienation happens? And yet mm. the, the most, the place where you're also most in touch with something that seems beyond your grasp, right? Like, I think like there, today you're constantly bombarded and I think it's interesting. So the postal worker, what do they do? Like they delivered packages to people that are extremely wealthy or packages that they themselves couldn't afford. Right. And then th that maybe you could see how a little envy would crop into that and then violence would break out. But today you're bombarded with images every, every minute, every hour of incredible excess from that other people are having that you can't have. And I think that's why it's migrated into this other area. But I would just say that I think it's the victory of Paul McCartney, right? Like he, he was the first one to say, I'm never going to say that guy's name who killed John Lennon. And I think this is like, he, he finally won the day in terms of like the way you're saying, like the media reports on these things. Um, all right. Well, <clears throat> thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I think we solved it. There's not going to be any <laughs> <laughs> good work, everyone. Good <laughs> Very good. Very good. Thanks for having um, me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, where can our listeners uh, read you and find you and all that stuff? Uh, yeah, so I have different things on YouTube. I have a podcast called Why Theory, and I have I've written a few books that are on Amazon. So cool. Show notes, you know what to do, folks. Uh, oh, should I start? I should I start? <laughs> no, I didn't freeze. I just. Uh... You haven't stopped talking for like 10 minutes until we were like, all right, Andrews, lead us in. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was trying to think of a, an Asian word too. A new, a new nation we will be covering for the rest of the episode because we're talking uh, three continents, three nations, the third oh, one. God, he did You're it. You're segueing from the thing that will have happened 30 minutes before <laughs> this comes on. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's but, but it's still in... Uh, We'll use it's the still, song twice. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you're podcasting sideways today. This is a really cool look. Yeah. You know, I got this set up, this rig, I think they call it, with a spit fleck deflector in front of the mic. Uh, you sound way better. Thank you. I, I, is that because of this? It's blocking my plosives? It's because you're not moving the mic around. Yeah. <laughs> How'd that sound? Sounded great, man. You know, it okay. sounds good every time. Um, so... Well, you know what we else are, we're talking good is the new Chilean constitution. constitution. That's right. <laughs> we we are uh, talking now about another development in. We talked North America. We talked Asia, Japan specifically, and now we're talking about Chile, which is in South America. You get three different continental uh, news tidbits from yum, 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 yum. this podcast. Yeah, uh, globe trotting. Um, travelization. Uh, what's the word that ends in Asian that is about traveling? Uh, globalization. Globalization. There we go. Um, one one Dalmatian. <laughs> that movie. Yes, great movie. Um, Japanese people no masturbation. Wait, they're not. No, that's all they do. Is okay. I got it wrong. Yes, masturbation. Yes, master. Yes. Well, no. You're saying no more masturbation. I 
I'm pleading with them to stop masturbating. Yeah, please have sexual relations in your nation. Um, so Chile, you hear about this? It is getting possibly a new constitution. The left has been fighting for this. What the for hell? For a generation, um, because. Even if you that know, you elect a socialist, anti-capitalist, whatever he is, president in Chile, you still got this old uh, constitution laying around that prevents any real good stuff from happening. Uh, because, of course, the constitution is from the Pinochet years, uh, who was a hyper-capitalist uh, dictator. Pinochet Hanks is his full name. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. He saw over the dark era of white boy summer (laughs) for the nation from 1973 to 1980, whatever. Yeah. Um, Great movie. No. Have you ever seen? No, it's about the referendum in Chile uh, on whether to keep Pinochet Pinochet. Why do you call him Pinochet? Is that is how you say that for real? I've heard it pronounced both ways. Um, so I want to respect the man's. Uh, I want to respect all the ways you can say a name wrong. Yeah, maybe I should do the opposite. Maybe we shouldn't have called Abe Abe. We should call him Abe, Abe, just as out of disrespect for all my you know, another right wing. All my Abe's gone. God yep. damn it, that's good. <laughs> um, Moving on. <laughs> so the. Uh, New constitution is being drafted um, and it could come up for a referendum soon. National vote. Imagine that being able to vote the entire country, every citizen going to be going to be able to go out there and vote up or down on a constitution. We have nothing like that in the United States. There's no questions that are put to national referendum. Instead, Uh, we have a little thing called American Idol. We the entire fair. country votes on their that's fair for Clay Aiken and several uh, American Idol spinoffs that have seemed like they've kind of lost the plot of what American Idol was going for. There's a show called Dancing with Myself, hosted by mm-hmm. Joe Jonas and Shakira. Um, it's a okay, very two people. Well, and there's two more that I don't know because they're like TikTok stars or whatever. But the show is just they get everyday people who dance alone to dances. The like Shakira gives them and then the audience votes on their phones in front of them and like four people move on each round and then the other people move back into a box on stage and Joe Jonas goes close the pods and a door swings down shutting them away from the camera whoa oh that's scary so they have to follow choreography they try their best, but it's always okay. like, I'm a doorman in the Bronx and I love to dance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those are two separate things. Like I, you know, and I know this is personal experience. I took four years of dance. I, I will say I'm a pretty good dancer. Um, or Yes. Four more years. I can do it extemporaneously on my own. If you put, put on a great tune, I can cut the rug, but I cannot learn choreography. There are two separate fucking uh, mechanisms. Well, you're never going to be a TikTok star. Well, maybe if it's if it's me doing my own dance, okay. I think I could, but I can't learn from other people. The I'm just like that. Allow it. Right. Um, speaking, of this, chill. Go ahead. <laughs> speaking of the system, 
Chile might get a new one. Uh, <laughs> this new constitution's got some great stuff in it. And of course, the loudest detractors, some of them are from uh, other parts of the world because they don't want to see this happening anywhere, let alone Chile, which has been a bastion of uh, capitalism and right-wing thought for uh, several decades since the overthrow illegitimately of of Allende, which even then we forget took them a few years to fully install the, uh, the straight jacket of neoliberalism, but they, they did it and they've had it on the country for a long time. Even after it's been democratized, the economy is a very hard thing to rewire anywhere, but especially in Chile where they have a reactionary constitution. So this thing could get uh, rewritten and voted on, but get this, uh, the Economist magazine ain't happy about it. They're wow. calling this, you know, they, they have the Magna Carta. They are calling this a Magna mistake. Voters They're calling this a Magnum condom. <laughs> <laughs> Voters should reject Chile's new draft constitution. Constitution, excuse me. It is a fiscally irresponsible left wing wish list. The f- image for this article is a uh, constitution with war, a paper with words on it. You can't read the words, but it's got a red sort of a stamp bow at the end. But then you see the toilet paper. Excuse me. God damn it. I fucked up the I barely oh, it's a big reveal. Yeah. I'll take that out. I'll take that out. <laughs> the paper that this constitution is written on in the image for this article is toilet paper. So it's saying what the hell? As if to say I wipe my ass with your constitution. Yeah. The toilet, pa- the same kind of paper Jake shits with? Mm-hmm. Do you not? You, you, use, cons- you use constitutions. I, I use constitutional paper. <laughs> that probably is not great for your ass crack, but. Uh, it's hard to get, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, so, so what is actually on the agenda here? So there's a lot of, a lot of great stuff. Um, they, they did try to nationalize all natural resources, um, but that didn't get through. Uh, so the central bank still has some independence. Um, although it has been expanded to, uh, include employment protection, care for the environment and natural heritage. Uh, they call this, uh, document overall, a confusing mess full of woolly language, that more or less guarantees decades of squabbling. Um, the draft mentions nature, which would be given rights. You can't give rights to nature. Uh, gender mentions gender 39 times. That's 30, uh, 38 times too many, I guess. Um, and they're more saying than God planned. Yeah. They want to uh, put in a national health system and make that a constitutional right. Which would be you know, a lot thing. of people who uh, set to rewrite their government's constitution often forget they still have to please the editorial boards at uh, The Economist, Financial Times, Bloomberg. These are the people who make the decisions in Chile. You got to you got to get them on board. I mean, as Kissinger famously said, uh, some decisions are too important for the Chilean people to decide for themselves. And I think this constitution he would say is one of them uh, gives trade unions the sole right to represent workers, guarantees them a say in corporate decision making and allows them to strike for any reason. 
not just those relating to work, which is a terrifying notion to uh, right-wingers around the world, the thought that a trade union, which I believe this is illegal in the United States, I think, thanks to Taft-Hartley, um, th- that a union, if you're going to go on strike, it has to be based on your conditions. It can't be for, say, I don't know, arms going to a country that you don't want those arms to go to or another industry on strike and solidarity, a general strike to shut down the economy. Uh, that stuff is forbidden in many places and discussed. Striking for fun, striking for fun, right? Striking for sublet or uh, for uh, jouissance is is illegal. Um, says everybody has a right to work. That job security is their job insecurity is prohibited, and this is going to make it too hard to fire people. They're really concerned about that. Um, it's going to blow up the budget for God's sakes. Uh, the the there's the national health system cradle to grave care uh, provision of housing which says ever and it says every person has a right to housing and it's going to ban property speculation and for profit education. No, <laughs> like this is just making me drool. I do honestly. have a hard time imagining. I know it, it it exists and it happens, but imagining somebody reading this and just like punching a hole in their wall or whatever, like. I mean, yeah, they're freaking out because they say it's too broad uh, and they they point to some of the, the things that they see as absurd in the document, such as um, promotion of the culinary and gastronomic heritage of Chile uh, and the spirit. No. <laughs> yeah. God forbid we have like national cuisine that we like try to promote and protect like that's. It's not a bad. I don't even even know why a conservative would be we'd be against that. Um, but there's other things too, like a right to sports, which, if you think about it, is like a f- fair enough thing, right? Everybody should have equal access to uh, recreational facilities and uh, jouissance, in a way, through jouissance for all. Yeah, that's what they're they're aiming for. But that is just totally anathema to to the economist's ideal of how society should function, what states should do and should, shouldn't, shouldn't guarantee that should be your private business, whether or not you are able to participate in sports. You know, you think about like golf. I remember there were these ads 20 years ago, like kids in like, you know, rough neighborhoods playing golf. And it seems so strange and it still does because it's a rich man's game. But what if we had a system where everybody was allowed you know, had had a right to things like playing golf. I mean, maybe you would have to change that system and have left less golf courses or reimagine what a golf course is. It um, would be, I can you imagine if yeah. Wario was allowed to play with you and the the vagrant criminal shy guy and right. King, King Boo, a monarch from another nation, I'm assuming. Um, on a plant. Yeah, I fucking uh, Waluigi. His, you know, his, he's a sex offender, I think. Everyone playing golf together in one community. I can't imagine it. I just bought Mario Golf. <laughs> <laughs> Luigi's right. girlfriend Daisy, who is different and separate than Peach. Mm-hmm. And lower class. Lower mm. class. She's from the streets. She's a dog. Right. That's you know. how Luigi likes it. He's a dog. <laughs> he is a dog. <laughs> Yeah, so this thing, uh, they are freaked out, and they 
you know, it would it would include uh, education based on empathy and respect for animals. Dear Lord, we can't have that, which they have in neighboring, maybe not neighboring, but nearby countries. Costa Rica has like uh, the environment is like in the Constitution. And that's why you can't bring like foreign fruits into Costa Rica because it'll fuck up the natural habitats of other uh, plants. I mean, you um, ask like who is reading this and getting mad, but I can picture the guy. He thinks the constitution of Chile is too woke. That's what the modern way of looking at this is. Yeah. Is Up yours, woke Chilean mob. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a he's Jordan Peterson, and so he's saying up, up yours is the funniest fucking part of that. It's <laughs> not like a phrase elder people should have ready. I don't think it sounds too crazy. But then there is also this worship of like the weird, like bare bones kind of nature of the American Constitution in theory that it's like uh, elegant or whatever in that it's simplicity. Um, I, right. it's stupid that anyone would be mad about this because this is like re- what you're supposed to do with a, in th- if you're a fucking you know a Republican, you believe. Well, I'm that. assuming here too, but is this article written by an American? You know, it's it's uh, under. I was trying to find the author, and it just says leaders. So I think it's just like. Yeah, the, the economy. It's like a economist. economist editors section or whatever, because Americans specifically have a cultural aversion to changing the Constitution. I've seen several meltdowns from people who consider themselves liberals or moderates online, um, where they say they're never going to vote uh, Democrat again after seeing the squad endorse making changes to the constitution or disrespecting the constitution for our country, which is only like 250 years old. um, We've only had one constitution. Like, you know how insane that is in the rest of the world? Like it's just a bad idea, really like more than like political thing is just like, yeah, you're still running windows 95 on your government. Go ahead and punch (laughs) that up. Yeah. Thanks. Clippy. (laughs) Right. I mean, it, it, you it look like you're making an apartheid state. Can I help with that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's funny how like, because, I, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to a constitutional convention in the United States, but it's basically impossible. Right. And if one were to happen right now, it would probably be a worse end up with a worse constitution. Um, just because oh, yeah. like, everything is too awesome. Are you kidding me? If we just let everyone everyone have input right now like <laughs> amendment number one no fucking woke mob <laughs> number two um let's go brandon yeah yeah that would be <laughs> the first amendment is to say let's go brandon which the majority of the country uh agrees on but but yeah like amendment powers- number three the bud knight is secretary of state Hell yeah, dude. He's a knight. Yeah, I mean, you do have like a a strong movement there that has been agitating for this for for years and building to this point and, uh, you know, getting the requisite, getting in the right position for it to actually happen. And and I think it could in in September um, is, I believe, when the, the vote is. And The Economist advises the people of Chile, who I'm sure... Uh, so many of them are reading The Economist that's behind like 80 paywalls. Um, I had to fucking do some, right. some part of the Constitution is to, to um, 
get a paid subscription for all civilians to the economist <laughs> so they can kind of learn. I mean, if Vorich wants to throw them a bone, I think that wouldn't be a bad, a bad proposal, right? right. Give... It's nationally mandated. It's part of the yeah. government now. Yeah, then they'd be they'd be for this constitution. Yeah, uh, but... I'm hearing really good things about this constitution. On yeah. Scene. Oh, I <laughs> but forgot they... that guy. Amendment number seven. Uh, Deftones are the best band of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and Taylor Swift. Number six. Great. Um, Death penalty for stealing my bike. so the the they end with basically like a suggestion that the current constitution in chile it's it ain't great they'll they'll say that like yes this thing isn't perfect you know this constitution that was uh introduced by a fascist dictator who rounded up thousands of people and massacred them in soccer stadiums and tortured them and just all this helicopters yeah yeah, you know, you. it's not perfect what he put Autonomous in place. Staff. <laughs> but it is so much better than uh, giving everybody a job in healthcare. We got to prevent that at all costs. So vote, vote no on this constitution. Um, that's what they say. And hopefully they will be ignored once again. And that toilet paper will be changed out for an issue of The Economist, which Probably, honestly, better for your anus than uh, constitution paper. They both seem around as rough. Like magazine yeah. paper, not as, okay, not as rough, but like if I'm thinking of what's given me the most paper cuts in my life, I think that kind of paper is number one. Okay, but how many constitutions have you, you know, they at a certain point Wait. they get kind of like soft. So maybe. Yeah, they're like a, a pirate map. Yeah, but this is a new one. So I don't know. I think it needs a few hundred years to decay. Guys, this conversation is grossing me out. Text crazy frog to 310310 to vote for the Constitution. Yeah, uh, if you're in Chile, vote vote uh, C. You know? <laughs> well, that was the movie uh, that I saw. No, it was just called No, because that was about the campaign to vote against Pinochet. In yeah. the early nineties, and now it's uh, we're turning that no into a C, into a C. No, Shay. Yeah, yeah. And that's okay. another week for here at uh, us here at Poddam America. We learned about guns today, and also um, this other thing that has nothing to do with them. But uh, hey, <laughs> I was trying to think of a way to make this about. You know, we learned about arming yourself with artillery and also with rights. With rights. From the Constitution. The only way. Which one is more deadly? Mm, think about that. that. Freaky libertarian guys. That actually seems like something that would fry a libertarian robot's brain. What is better, guns or the Constitution? Ah! Error. Yeah. Error. <laughs> Um, let's get the fuck out of here. Does anyone have plugs? Yeah, so at Andersley here on Twitter, Dursley one Instagram. Check out my Substack, Substack.andersley.com, or excuse me, Andersley.substack.com. Um, and also I want to plug. You know, we did say that suicide is preferable to uh. <laughs> 
That's mass true. shootings. But I still think <laughs> it's a bad idea and that you shouldn't do it. If you are thinking about it, please give a call to a suicide hotline. We would hate to. <laughs> yeah, I I everybody who listened to this episode got to plugs. Oh, boy. Uh, what an irresponsible thing. As long as we're, show. we're doing like retroactive amendment plugs, I, I, what I suggested earlier that's that someone maybe hadn't shot up a target yet please don't do that and then refer to this podcast as why you did it uh i'll be very sad if you do that i don't i was joking don't take anything we say seriously anything i don't really wipe my my butt with constitution paper that was i was just riffing around i'm sorry about that yeah don't do that it's a manufactured lie no, if you're out of toilet paper, that's one thing. But. Hey, here's a plug for you. If you want to see Anders Lee next week in New York oh, City, you got to come to Paid Protests Saturday, July 16th at the Secret Loft. I may have said last month was our last show at the Secret Loft in Manhattan, but I was wrong. There's actually a secret a one. There's a new secret one. There's a new about. secret one I'm in Bushwick after this. this, but this is our last one in Manhattan for real. I think this time, uh, I think it's pay what you want. It supports the YDSA in New York City. That's uh, the come, youth. If you don't children. want them to be, you know, end up like other youth that we've mentioned on this show, uh, come on, come to the show and give them money, <laughs> please. The disaffected socialist youth, they're out there. They're you know, experimenting with their bodies and their young minds. They're possibly joining gangs and um, holding chains and standing around the corner and swinging them and stuff, uh, you know, playing that knife game with your hand on a bar. Yeah, chop at the hand. They're, it's, I mean, it really, it's a crucial moment in their development. So please. They're doing all them. the mini games from Red Dead Redemption 2. well we're gonna get them on the straight and narrow and on the right path to being healthy uh happy adults that's right jake and so uh paid protest july 16th game boys july 15th at caveat uh also a fun stand-up show come to these great stand-up shows follow me on twitter at patak test kitchen that's p-t-a-k test kitchen and uh i've been slacking on the tiktok but We'll bring that back soon, and then we'll plug that here. Won't that be fun? Yeah, I'm at Feral Jokes on everything. You know that. Um, come to the... Uh, I'm doing stand-up on uh, Gabe Pacheco's show, Funhouse, at Pete's Candy Store in Williamsburg on the 20th of July. And other than that, I'm not doing shit. Leave me alone. I'm on hiatus because I just got back from tour. Jake is Hikikomori now. Yeah, I ain't leaving the house. Jake Hikikomori. <laughs> Jay Kiko Mori. Jay, Jay Kiko Mori. Wait, no, Jay Kiko Murray, because it's me and my cat hanging out at home. Oh, oh, this is lovely. Yeah. <laughs> it's his birthday. It's the it's a year since I got him. So I got him a, uh, a little candle that's shaped like a question mark because I don't know how old he is. Oh my gosh, that's wonderful. I love it when a plan comes together. Yep. Me and my cat hang out at home, not fucking all summer, baby. And <laughs> that is that's it it's finished it's finished it's finished